No matter where your business is in Canada, connectivity shouldn't be a concern. Whether your business is rural, remote, or urban, reliable, scalable internet is available to you and your business. Explore Business is expanding our network. With our extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're able to bring you the connectivity your business deserves, with the ability to grow right where you are. With investments in fiber and 5G technology, Explore Business is your new choice for business internet. Get connected with Explore Business today. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, we'll speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. We'll examine issues, solutions, and hope outside of the city limits. Clearing a New Path podcast is an invitation to listen and learn along with me on the road to building a more united, feminist, anti-racist rural Canada, one rooted in diversity and driven by reconciliation. Let's learn together, clearing a new path. episode, we talked about just one element of crime in rural Canada, intimate partner violence with Pamela Cross of Luke's Place. She mentioned that here in Ontario, we have what's called a community safety and well-being plan. This is a framework for communities and municipalities to utilize for themselves. Four areas are highlighted as critical to success, social development, prevention, risk intervention, and incident response. Jean Boda is the board chair for the Alberta Community Crime Prevention Association. It's a position she's held since 2016. She understood from firsthand experience as a rural Alberta resident and also a former rural Alberta County counselor that rural communities require a unique framework when it comes to crime prevention. In this episode, Jean explains how the building capacity in rural crime prevention project came to pass, the pilot programs they ran in rural Alberta communities, the template that has been developed from those pilots, and how you can access them for your own rural Canadian community. Jean was raised in rural Alberta and is a third generation Albertan. She is a mom, a grandmother, and makes her home in Red Deer County, Alberta, where she has lived for the past 22 years. Gina's always been very involved in her community, entering municipal politics in 2013. She campaigned on safe communities and awareness through collaboration with law enforcement, community groups, and citizens. Jean was re-elected in 2017, 
however, lost in 2021 by just two votes. Jean has been involved with her local Rural Crime Watch group for many years. She also chairs the Police Advisory Committee, which initiated the Rural Red Deer Restorative Justice Program. Jean, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to hear about this project and how it came about. Welcome. Thank you, Shauna. Thank you very much for asking uh, if I would like to participate. I've listened to your podcast for a while. I love them because I'm a big advocate for rural, whether it's rural Alberta, rural Canada, whatever. We all have the same problems. So you bring a lot of very different discussions, which I go, oh, yes, we need to hear about those things. So uh, thank you very much. Well, that's very flattering. Thank you so much. But I mean, you're the guest today. So uh, first of all, tell me what the Alberta Community Crime Prevention Association is and what it does. So the Alberta uh, Community Crime Prevention Association began in 1989. It was a connection between the police and uh, the government initially. Then as they got into it, they discovered that, oh, hey, we we need to involve the community. So that was when they... um, added the community to the crime prevention. So it is a connector between the government, who is our funder uh, provincially, and uh, law enforcement, but also communities. And when I say communities, I'm talking rural, urban, uh, Métis settlements, Aboriginal, cultural diversities, uh, all sorts of of communities within Alberta. It hasn't always been like that. I joined in 2016. I really didn't know the... um, the organization existed. At the time, I was a county councillor, and I had we had a meeting with the um, with the justice minister. And one of the gentlemen sitting in the meeting was with the solicitor general, and he caught me after, and he said, "You know, you should uh, contact this uh, organization because he said, you know, you might want to speak with them because our discussion at the time with the minister." was about rural crime, and there had to be more awareness, more education. We just wanted to kind of know what the government was, the provincial government was doing, how they were doing it, and um, how we could be involved with that. So I became involved. I did reach out, and we had some very, uh, with the executive director at the time, Lillian Jones, we had some very interesting discussions. The next thing you know, you're in there, you're involved. Next thing you know... Um, they asked me if I wanted to be chair, me, whatever, sure, let's bring it on, right? So that was where it all started for me. At the time, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on rural. And because I was a rural county councillor, because I was very involved in my community with rural crime, I made an effort to expand that. And we also brought in um, more uh, rural county councillors to our board. Yeah, I wanted to kind of uh, make it a little more diverse than what it was. It's a fun organization. We have a board of 15 member, or 15 board members, and we have a, a, a lot of diverse voices on the board. It's amazing. And when we do all get together, it's very, very exhilarating and very exciting. So you lent your voice to the organization at the beginning as a county councillor. And I say this often, but I think Urban folks don't realize the difference between rural and urban. And and can you explain a little bit about how that translates into 
to crime. It does. Urban crime is crime, whether it be urban or rural. But rural crime has, there's a different context to it. There's distance. There's isolation. It's not like we're in little subdivisions and everything is laid out. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of different things involved with rural crime. And, and, and if I can just use this as a bit of a segue into the project, this was kind of how this all came about. I had met Jan Fox, who was the co-chair. She's the executive director of REACH Edmonton years before. And we had been at an FCM conference, I believe it was in Halifax. And the emphasis at that conference that year was about rural crime. And they had some very, very good sessions. And I remember outside, her and I had this discussion, and I said to her, so, Jan, this is my question. What defines rural crime? Like, we talk about crime, but what is rural crime? And I said to her, I'm not finding any peer-reviewed or scholarly articles that would, would define it for me. And I said, you know, I think we need to delve into that a little bit. So that's kind of where things started. She... Uh, we then all came back to Alberta, and um, a couple months later, she got hold of me, and she said, I have a research student coming in from Spain, and she said, would you be interested in a rural crime project? So she said, we can meet, and you can meet this young lady. We can kind of lay out a framework and maybe meet with some of the government officials and Solicitor General, and that was where this all began. So you're right. Coming back to your question, uh, the more we delved into rural crime as opposed to urban crime, we found there was a distinct difference on the victims, uh, the distances, the isolation, the knowledge, the capacity. There was just a lot of things that we needed to explore. Even when I was elected, my uh, Fellow uh, colleagues knew uh, I was very involved with the crime issues in my area. We had crime issues that were going on, and it was, and I started to ask questions with my neighbors, like why are we, why are these things happening? What's going on? Where are the police? Where are the agencies? Who's who can we help? Who can we turn to to help? So when I was elected, my colleagues knew that that was my big drum that I was drumming. If you want to call it. Now, I didn't have an axe to grind, but I was very focused on how we can change things. And I am like that. If I get a focus and I want to make or we need the changes, then I will gather the people around me that um, we need to um, make those changes. And Jan knew this. She knew what my passion was. She understood what I was uh, talking about. And that's why when she called me and said, hey, let's get a rural crime watch project going. And she said, let's let's apply for some funding. When the young lady was doing the research data wise, she was not finding a lot of data. The only things that we could give her or our group that we gathered together was uh, newspaper articles, a little bit of police data. Police data was there, but there again, it was some of it was dated, and some of the news articles, the sensational news items, you know, that that really rev people up. So 
She wasn't getting a lot of data as to what was really going on in these communities and why it was going on. What were the social issues that were propelling some of this crime? We had five pilot sites, which were picked by our RCMP K Division out of Edmonton. They were picked on rural, remote, close to urban centers, close proximity to Métis settlements, and of course, crime severity. Well, actually, they gave us 10 uh, pilot sites, but we could, for the applications, we could only pick five. So we picked our five pilot sites. And we knew from the research that Audrey had done in 2018, or her and her team, that there was not the capacity nor the, the knowledge of where do you even start with understanding how do we start this process of uh, kind of excavating or unearthing what our issues are in our communities. And how did you do that? How did you begin in, in all of those um, pilot communities? What did you have to do? How did those conversations go? Well, it was really interesting. So we what we did initially is uh, we contacted the uh, mayors or contact person within those I- district or communities and said, you know, this is what's going on. Would you be interested in being part of it? Nobody said, no, there's no way we want to be. They were all very receptive to that. So what we then did is we got our steering committee together. So that was your decision makers, right? And higher level decision makers. And then we got our advisory committee um, together. And to me, that wasn't hard because we had education, we had colleges, we had municipalities, we had crime watch groups, citizens groups, agencies like that. So it wasn't hard. The steering committee was uh, our um, RCMP, K Division, our education department, Solicitor General. We got those two committees going and actually we moved very, very quickly. And then what we did in, uh, and this would have been in 2019, then in November of 2019, we held a training session. Let me just back up a bit. We had four groups involved with this. So there was Alberta Community Crime Prevention Association. There was Reach Edmonton. There was the Red Deer Lacombe Rural Crime Watch uh, because they had the boots on the ground. And then our research arm was the Canadian Municipal Network for Crime Prevention, which is a national uh, organization. And so what we did is we had a training session for all of the pilot sites. We had, um, of course, funding to bring them in. So we had representatives from each of the pilot sites plus some other admin people. And we held a two-day training session in Red Deer, which, because it was central for everybody, which was very, very interesting because we brought all these people together. Yes, they'd agreed to what we were going to do, but why are we really doing it? And what what is the objective? What's the outcome? How are we going to do this? Then, of course, we got to... Jan and I decided that we would um, meet with these pilot sites. And uh, unfortunately, COVID hit, but we did manage to hit uh, two of the sites before COVID hit. And then we kind of had to shut down, shut things down for a bit and go to our, our Zoom calls. And that was how we communicated for the next, uh, the next little while. And so when you trained these folks, what did you train them on? What did you tell them? Well, we gave them the 
objectives of why this project was um, initiated. We also, the objective of this project was that we were to um, have one community safety plan and well-being plan within one of these pilot sites. So with a community safety and well-being plan, we had to start from scratch because a lot of these communities did not understand what was involved with a community safety and well-being plan, which is, I mean, you start with an assessment, then you graduate to bringing everybody together. Okay, what, what kind of data is out there with all of your agencies? Then let's start bringing these agencies to the table. Let's start talking about what kind of issues we have. What's the common denominator with all of these agencies? What's lacking? What's the gaps? And what do we need to do about this? So it was a two-day session on just preliminary, well, first of all, just getting to know each other, but then, okay, what is involved with a, a safe community and and how do we go about doing that? And this was very foreign for a lot of people. And even myself, when I first heard of a community safety and well-being plan, I go, oh, okay, so what 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 is involved here? So it was just laying out the groundwork for what was what was needed, how we were to go about that. And also, there was a lot of questions about the blocks, the roadblocks, uh, the challenges, because um, not, not all um, agencies and groups want to share data, want to participate, want to come to the table. So how do we... What do we do in, the, in that case? How do we alleviate that? Um, and how could we assist also as a team in helping a lot of these groups with, um, with help doing this? You know, and at first there was, I wouldn't say resistance, but there was a little bit of hesitation. Then as we, we had um, several speakers that came in, Dave Dixon from Williams Lake was there, and they've done a lot of work in Williams Lake. He spoke, I remember him speaking, and it, it was um, it was almost like the groups, the group just kind of started coming together, and okay, then, then let's go with this, right? So, and there was still, you know, I remember on the second day, there was still a little bit of opposition, but I remember Jan and I sitting down with a couple of the individuals and saying, oh, no, no, this is how we need to do, let's, let's do some brainstorming, let's, let's, let's figure out like what what have you got in your community what is there and and then we can start working on the gaps and and whatever so we went away everybody was very hyped it was a really good session and of course i mean you need to do these things you have to train people if you're expecting things you have to train them but also we found one thing they did ask the all of the pilot sites before we left that uh, meeting or training that day the last day was that we keep in touch, uh, and we come to see their their communities, which, like I say, we did with two before we uh, before COVID shut, shut us down. And then what we did just before we ended the project, which was um, the project ended December of 2022, we went up to Lakabish in um, September of this past year, and we did a few more um, revisits again of some of these communities so so everybody was aware of what was going on communities really loved it when we came we got in we saw their community they loved to show us around their community and also we got a good feel for what their issues might be or 
just a good feel for the community, which I which I felt was really, really important. You know, policing is one thing, but there has to be education, there has to be intervention, there has to be all these different things that go with all this. Policing is part of that solution and and also the law enforcement has been involved with the pilot sites. They've all attended the meetings. We had some of them that were at the training. So they are very, very involved. What has happened in the meantime is one of our gentlemen from K Division who was on our steering committee, he loved the idea so much. And uh, he's Chief Superintendent Peter Tufik now, but he went to Ottawa. And actually, we had some discussions with Ottawa. And it was with... Um, Superintendent Kim Tarpin out of uh, Ottawa, and she was she dealt with crime prevention throughout the country. And I remember her saying, "Well, you know, they had all these programs and whatever going on." And and I said to her, "You know, this is a pilot project. Um, I don't care who wears the colors or who takes the banner, but you know, I think it'd be worth it if we could take this and maybe do something about take it and take it." throughout the country. I mean, in Ontario, you have on you have community safety and well-being plans. And and there's several centers throughout uh, Canada that do. But I said, you know, I think this is the way of the future and we need to really be open-minded to this. And I said, and I remember saying to her, I don't care who carries the banner. If you want to take the banner, you go and take the banner. But I think we need to really take a serious look at this. So I remember getting off the call and we had a discussion later and I said to my group oh what a not a waste of time but really sometimes i wonder why we do these things well in the meantime then what happened is chief superintendent peter tufek had made a visit to ottawa as well and also kind of reinforced the idea and you know last year um, alberta k division was given um, the go-ahead for a community safety and well-being branch of their of their um detachment and they had the grand opening or the announcement September 1st and of course we were all invited um, but I said to Peter this is amazing and it's it's unique uh, we were the only province that was awarded this but and I did meet um, Superintendent Kim Tarpin in Oct uh, November she was in one of the pilot sites and uh, we had a good discussion, and I just said to her, thank you very much for uh, for allowing this. And she said, hey, you guys are doing good work, so just keep going. So um, sometimes, like you say, Shawnee, you just kind of got to raise your voice a little bit and say, look, come on, come on, you guys, move it a bit. You know, figure this out, right? We've, we've figured it out. Now we need some help here. Fabulous for Alberta. Fabulous for your team. Fabulous for rural Alberta. How do we move this across the country? So there's people listening in Atlanta, Canada, in rural Atlanta, Canada, maybe in Newfoundland, maybe in Saskatchewan, maybe in Quebec, you know, maybe in British Columbia. So what advice would you give them? More importantly, how do you sell this? How do you go to your community as a mayor or a county councillor like yourself and and you say, we need to take this on. We need to change. We need, we need to implement this. These folks in Alberta have already done the template or they already have it set out. So 
what do you want to say to people listening in smaller communities well, across Canada? I would say what has happened in the meantime, we developed a lot of training sessions specifically to rural crime. And these are these are Zoom, so you can sit in on three weeks of them of whatever. She's done uh, topic summaries. Uh, we've done we've done a lot of uh, gathering of information. So what has been happening is with Canadian Municipal Network, they have already been doing some training sessions for Atlantic Canada, Ontario, even BC, different things like that. I would say get in touch with me because what happened is we did an evaluation or we had an evaluation done on our project at the end and we reviewed it in January. So uh, members of the steering committee were there, et cetera, et cetera. So going forward, we have already applied for more funding, a continuation project funding. We had some um, um, crime prevention funds that were out in August. And I spoke to Audrey and Felix and said, look, guys, we have to continue this. We cannot let this drop because I said, really, this is the way of the future. This is the way for the rest of the prairie provinces. This is the way for a lot of West Coast. We did put a, a, an application together. We should probably know next month if we've been approved for this. So, And if anybody wants to hear about this or learn how to start this or what to do, please be in touch with me. And uh, Audrey, myself, uh, even Jan Fox, will we'll have a Zoom call and we can, uh, we can mentor you. And it's like I said to Audrey, when we, the evaluation was very good. There was a lot of, you know, there was gaps, things that we could have done differently. But I said to her after we uh, had our session, we have now that we have the template. It's there. So now all we need to do is take it out. And I agree with you, Shauna, this is not an easy sell in some communities because we have mindsets that think the only thing that will solve the problem is your policing. And policing is part of that, but what else is going on in your community? So, and this is another thing that I said to um, the day we had the uh, grand opening, um, we were upstairs just waiting for everything to start. And I remember saying to the deputy commissioner Zablonski, I said, this is one thing you guys, we have to keep in mind. I said, don't think you can just go into communities and just tell them what to do. And I gave an example of um, years ago, I was asked to go out to Rocky Mountain House, which is just west of, of where I live. And I was raised out there. It was to do a talk to a police advisory council. So I took one of our um, uh, rural crime watch directors. I, I said to Becky, would you mind coming with me? So anyway, so both of us go out there. We walk into this big hall. Um, I hear somebody, you know, they said, oh, I'm glad you're here, whatever. So I heard someone say, oh, they're from Red Deer. And I remember thinking, and my face kind of got flushed. And I remember thinking, oh, dear, I, I know how that go. I know how that goes over because I was raised out here. Right. And so up to that point, it wasn't nervous. And I know as I'm sitting there and they're, you know, doing preliminaries and I'm, and of course he introduced us both as from Redger, from the Rural Crime Watch. I got a little sick to my stomach and then I thought to myself, no, this is how you're going to handle this, Jean. So I get up and I said right off the get-go, I 
I was raised on the Dovercourt Road. My grandparents are Nick and Sarah. My my mom and dad were uh, Alice and Ann. And you know, and it's like I said to um, uh, the superintendent or the commissioner, you could just see the temperature in the room start to drop because it was almost like, oh, she's one of us, right? It was just a whole, and I said, you guys, we have to be very cognitive of when you go into a community, just don't go in there and think we're going to go in and just uh, ram all this stuff. You've got to understand the landscape. You've got to understand what the dynamics are. You've got to understand so much that's going on in that community. And being from a rural community, I totally get that. It's that outsider syndrome, right? So I think we have to be very, very cognitive of how we approach and um, deal with communities when we're doing the pitch and the sale and the whatever. And there again, it's like I said to Curtis, we have to know the connectors. We have to find the connectors and then have a relationship with the connectors and go from there. This is not an instantaneous um, thing. It will not happen overnight. It's a gradual uh, progression to how we do things differently. And also sometimes it's by example. If the community 100 miles away or 50 miles up the road is doing it, they go, ooh, this is kind of not a bad deal, right? So it's all in how you approach it. I'm very um, aware of that. And it's something that I think we have to, uh, when you're going out and selling this, we have to be very, very careful with how we do this. What are the ingredients? So obviously, you know, there's a lot to crime. It's socioeconomic. There are so many elements to it. But who are all of the parties that you bring in from the communities in order to have that conversation, in order to not dominate or intimidate, like you say, come in and tell them what to do? Who are the parties that you bring in? And, and what is that kind of recipe of a solution? How do you come up with solutions together? I'll go from an example of one of the pilot sites, and I think this was done so well. First of all, we had a connector in the community. She was very well known, and she was direct, but she wasn't rude. She was respected. What we did then is we brought in your social agencies, your education, your group, your church groups, your service groups, your health. Another group that they had, which really, really impressed me, was a farmer farming group. So this was a group of three farmers that had said, hey, look, we're, we're going to represent our farming districts. There would have been 20, 22 people at the table. And there was actually municipal representation at the table. There was, of course, your law enforcement was at the table. They call them rural animators. They they help people navigate the mental health issues that are going on with ranchers and farmers. Together, we, we made a list of different organizations, different people, different groups that were within their community. And it was a small community, but it's close to a, a huge urban center. And then we explained to them what we were doing what the objective of it was, why we were doing it. And I, I found the questions were amazing. Like people people were there because they were serious and they wanted to be there. It caught fire from there. But your first thing is get yourself a respected connector in the community who who is um, a leader and they're respected and they want to be there and they want to make 
things. They want to change things and make things different. What about the communities that don't want to make things different? <laughs> That's got to be the biggest challenge. It um, is. I mean, does that does that happen? Has that happened with you, your project? Yes, it has. We have one. It, it was a struggle. It was on the fence, off the fence. There wasn't the collaboration that was needed. I didn't feel that the leadership was there. The municipal leadership was, some days it was there, some days it wasn't. The right connector wasn't there. So it was a struggle. And um, what has happened since is the RCMP have stepped in there. Uh, they're administering it. Um, they've agreed to one year, but they, they're again, they're bringing everybody um, around the table. So it's, um, it's, improved but it it's been a, a it's been a real struggle it has the other thing that is a struggle and this is something that i think as a group we have to kind of look at we've talked about is funding a lot of these municipalities i wouldn't say they they don't want to fund it uh, but they don't they think this is a provincial issue and it shouldn't be funded from them but you know it's like i said to one group um you have land use uh, plans, you have um, emergency plans, you have inter-municipal plans. I said, why would you not have a community safety plan for your citizens? Like this is ensuring that you have safety in your communities, right? Um, so I think sometimes we have to look at this a little differently, but the funding has been a big issue. And, and for some, um, it's a stretch because there's some there's a lot of things going on in Alberta right now and revenues have been cut or some of the revenue they were getting is not there anymore. So funding is a problem. You make a good point because when it's easy, it's easy. But when it's difficult, that's when you have to be creative. And when we talked about doing this funding grant, I said, going forward, you're not always going to have easy pilot sites. You're going to have difficult there's going to be problems, you know, um, a range, uh, a plither of problems. So you have to have your creativity hat on. You have to flow with where, where, where things are going. What is a community safety plan? Like just kind of a basic, what does that mean? It, it's a framework for how we're going to make the, the community safer. What are we doing? What are the issues what what are the roles of of the different agencies within the community as to how that is yeah it's a framework it's not stagnant it's it's revolving because as your as your community changes so are your your community and it should be reviewed um yearly i think it's really timely because as we know the pandemic exposed a lot of gaps intimate partner violence for instance in rural communities skyrocketed yeah. because people were keeping themselves safe by you know staying in place yeah. but that also meant the danger it was more dangerous yes. for some folks and so it it lay bare a lot of gaps and a lot of issues that needed to be addressed in rural communities a lot of people that are from rural communities will understand this rural communities do not always have the resources the supports and and whatever uh where for all to deal with these issues right so and that's what we found was lack of resources lack of supports lack of well lack of capacity how do we how do we deal with this right um, and I agree with you, COVID has really exposed a lot of this. And 
if anything, it's symbolic in, in how we have to change. We have to do things differently and look after our people. What's your hope for the future? What, I mean, you've done, you, you've uh, already piloted, you know, you've applied for a grant to continue. What is your ultimate, you know, pie in the sky hope for the future? I would love, and this is, this I can speak on behalf of my team. I would love to see these community safety and well-being plans throughout the country. There's got to be an emphasis on it and how we deal with community safety. And you know, really, when you look at how policing is also changing, there's a lot of things going on right now with policing and and how we're looking at social issues. Like you say, COVID has exposed a lot of this stuff. You know, the domestic violence, the addiction, the mental illness, and and not just with your town folk. I mean, we're talking with your farmers and ranchers. I think we need to continue having uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, we do. I mean, re- regardless of what the topic is, yeah. we, we shy away from things in, when they're uncomfortable. And if we could move through it yeah. uh, instead of around it, yeah. I think that we'd be a little bit better off. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add? I just want to thank you for giving us the time to even talk about this project. And like you say, sometimes we have to have those uncomfortable conversations. And sometimes your opinion is not going to agree with my opinion, but that's okay. We're still, we can still walk away and be okay with that. Thank you so much, Jean. Thank you for the work you're doing. And thank you for the conversation today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Want to keep the conversation going? Subscribe to the Clearing a New Path newsletter, drop me an email, follow the podcast on social media, and or you can leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by The Hankering Studio. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Thames Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and Mississauga or neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to the studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. I will speak to many more people across Turtle Island this season, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of colonialism, the TRC's calls to action, and to reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth and Creator for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time, 